0: Hello, thank you for tuning. Hello, thank you for tuning into the Right Life. My name is Maureen McDowell, and I lead every episode of this podcast with a piece of my writing. And this week, I'm going to share a poem from my first poetry book, Exploring My Options, which came out in 2006. And this poem's called "Truth or Dare." The words hang on the tip of my pen, begging me to drop them on the page. I give them a dirty look, reminding them of the rejection that awaits them. Why bother, I ask. It's so much simpler inside that pen. You can play word ball all day and night. The world is harsh and unforgiving. It's safer up there, I tell them. They stick their tongues out at me and dip their big toes onto the page. Truth or dare, they ask. You choose, I say. We choose truth, they scream as they jump onto the page. I am relieved. They need to express themselves. So be it. I am removed of any responsibility. If I am asked, I will say, the words made me do it. So I picked that poem today because um, writing for me has always been a lifeline and I am feeling really, really grateful to be a writer right now, especially after just losing one of my parents and to be able to use writing as an outlet for my grief and also to um, process my very complicated emotions around my father and our relationship. And also just to participate in my community. I have several events coming up where I'm going to read my writing. And also, it Created Keep St. Pete Lit grew out of my writing and just being a creative person. And it's such a gift to be a part of the art world, the art reality. Sometimes the art scene can get a little um not really my flavor so much, being an introvert and also a pretty authentic person. Sometimes it can be a little ego and. Not really really my vibe, but more often than not, um, I have really wonderful people in my community that I get to spend time with and collaborate with. And I am really grateful that for whatever reason, I came into this life deciding to be a writer. And it's been interesting going through my father's things because we're in the process of... Um, deconstructing his apartment which is a really wild experience to go through someone's stuff part of me you know when you're younger you're like would love to go through your parents stuff and I used to go through my mother's purse and it drove her nuts and go through her drawers just because she was always working and very busy and I just wanted to know who she was and she's like stay out of my drawers stay out of my stuff but it would be like I wanted to try on her clothes and I wanted to Put on her jewelry and it made me feel closer to her and so it's there's a little bit of a childlike fantasy being fulfilled by being a voyeur and going through all of my dad's papers and stuff with my siblings right now and we haven't even started on his books but my mother picked up a couple books and found like you know you find all this um like receipts and note cards and um Different bookmarks from different places. And I found an article that I had written a long time ago about him, which maybe I'll read that on the next podcast. um, That I had written, um, it was called Just a Thought. And for a while, I had a column going in the Paradise News, which is a local beach publication around here that's still going um, here in St. Pete. And it was about being with him while he was remodeling his boat. And just learning about patience, And it was really cool to read my writing from, I believe it was from 2004. So it was right before my child was born. And I was trying to figure out what my role um, would be as a writer in the, in the world. And I always wanted to have a column. Like I really thought it would be a cool thing to have a column, a monthly column somewhere and um, Dave Barry was, I think he's still big right now, but he was definitely really big back then. And so I started with the Paradise News, but then I, um, a child came into my life, as I've mentioned, and I didn't have time to do anything except being a, be a parent in those beginning months. So I, I stopped writing the column, but now I write a monthly column for the Artisan Magazine, which is a local magazine here in St. Pete about arts and culture. And, um, I thought about calling it just a thought, but then I went with life and life and poetry. But then since I, and I started this podcast, I'd say probably about six or seven months after I started writing the column and I really liked the title the right life. And, um, so I changed the column to match this podcast. And that was kind of a download that that title came to me. I didn't really give it much thought. And I was like, this is perfect for being a writer and also wanting to talk about, you know, what it means to live a life of joy and ease and creativity and fun. So uh, I was thinking about what a gift it is to be a creative and especially being a writer. I interview writers for our Typewriter Talks podcast and being a writer is not easy, <laughs> as you know. If you're at all following the news, um, there was a huge writer strike in Hollywood, and and how streaming services and all these things, writers' work is overlooked. And um, I just it. Uh, excuse me. Um, interviewed Jarrett Keene and he uh, for typewriter talks, and he was talking about how he teaches his students in creative writing classes to. Start getting their work out there, and he wrote for People magazine and Us magazine. But this is before all these wonderful apps where you can have your money downloaded right away. Where you had to wait for a check to be mailed, and then they had to in- you had to invoice them, and then it had to go through all the paperwork, and then 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 the check had to be mailed. And um, how sometimes he wouldn't get a check for a year for writing for these magazines, but he still kept at it because he loved writing. And you know, when you when you're a writer, there's not really any guarantee that your work will really get out there to a mass audience, that it will be published if you don't self-publish. There's not a whole lot of guarantees in being a writer, but 100%, I can say with absolute certainty, I can't even imagine doing anything else because it's such a gift to be able to just translate my thoughts and feelings down onto a piece of paper and hopefully have somebody resonate with it. Uh, I did a reading last Wednesday night in Tampa and I was talking about, I read some of my Dear Pops, um, entries that I'm doing in the book that I'm writing about my dad and just to, you know, it's, it's good when you're creative to show it in, it was a small audience. There was probably 20 people there, but it's I, it's good to like read your writing out loud for me anyway, everybody's different just to see how it lands. Um, I'm, it's really important that the, I like the musicality of my writing, um, I read it out loud, but I'm also curious, like you can kind of read, at least I can read the energy in the room and see how people are responding to it. If it's dead silence, you know, that always makes me a little unnerved, but maybe there's some sighs or there's some nods of the head when you look up from the page. And, um, I had several people come up and, um, I bought, I sold like six books, which was great. And especially for poetry books in a small audience, a lot of them were younger people. So that was really, um, exciting to see. Um, and when I say younger, I mean like in their twenties, maybe thirties and they were, a lot of them were, um, I don't know how to say this exactly. I mean, I went. they weren't like average run of the mill people. They were, you could tell like, based on their tattoos and patches they had on their jackets and the, way their hair was dyed. Um, several people were, um, vocally out as being trans. One of them was trans and had, um, uh, I wanted to say Alzheimer's it's not that, uh, autism, excuse me. And, um, they actually had a dog with them that was a service dog. And it was the coolest thing because this is almost feels very creative. Like, I uh, uh, I love how my brain like just takes me on these crazy tangents. But when I asked them what their name was, because I wanted to sign the book to them, they pulled out their phone and they gave me a list of names that were alphabetically um, written and said, pick one. And I'm like, well, what do you mean? And, and they said, well, whichever name resonates with you, that can be my name. And I'm like, you go by all these names. And, and they're like, yeah, I mean, why not? And I was like, okay. And then I looked and I picked Howl, (laughs) but I actually thought how brilliant that was because it was, it was not only a creative way to engage, uh, have kind of an icebreaker with another person, but it was also a way for this person who had autism to kind of have some insight on the person that they were engaging with, because whatever name you picked kind of reflected you and I picked how and they're like, ooh, good one. So, you know, they kind of got um a sense of who I was by picking that word. And for me, it was like, you know, the untamed, the wild, the um, the wolf. Um I I have a on a keychain part poet part wolf, which I think it's bee and honey. I can't, I'm trying to think about the the person that makes these keychains, but she also does really cool flags too. Um, if you're interested, you could look up part, poet, part wolf and, um, the, the website will come up. But, um, but I was also thinking like Allen Ginsburg's poem, Howl and his book of poetry from city life books, Howl. So it had multiple meanings. Um, so I'm really curious when I picked that word, what they thought the meaning was behind it. So, that was really interesting, but it was cool to go up there and like connect with all these different types of people through my writing. And the person who had autism actually said that they really enjoyed the way that I read too, because the way the words landed, they could, I, I spoke slowly enough and clearly enough and use language. That's pretty, I I put my writing into wordcounter.com FYI, if you're a writer and you need to know um, you need to know how long your writing is for a performance. If you put it into wordcounter.com or it's like wordcounter.net, it's like one of the first things to come up in the search engine. It'll tell you your reading time, like how long, um, both performance time and how long it'll take you to read something that you've ri- wrote written. Um, and I write pretty consistently at, at a ninth to tenth grade level. <laughs> and part of me was like, well, I guess if they're saying that a lot of the population, unfortunately, I guess you could say the average is eighth grade level based on my reader brain. I, I could be wrong about this. It might have actually gone down, unfortunately, but I'm like, so I'm, I'm hitting, you know, a little bit above average. So that's good. But, um, the young person with autism, um, who also identified as trans said to me that they loved the way that I read because it, I I wasn't rushing and, and my language isn't complex complicated. Um, my ideas are definitely complex, but the words I use were easy to digest and they were able to follow along. And they said they really, really struggle at readings to be able to follow along and understand what the person is saying. So if you are someone who performs your work in public, keep that in mind. All different types of people are listening and watching and we want to be equitable um i would think we would want to be equitable we would want to be you know be able to reach all different types of people at least i do anyway um so we're all different but anyway that was really interesting to kind of experience that and then also to see how the deer pops entries um they're basically like letters that i'm writing to my father i'm about at five thousand words um when this podcast comes out he has uh, it's been a month since he passed away. So I'm i am being very gentle with myself in this writing. Some days I don't write, and but I'm actually writing in my head. And so that to me and working out my feelings about it, and then I can get it down on paper. But I read several entries of the Dear Pops book and several people came up to me um, and said that they really, like one of them goes, is that available to buy? And I was like, no, not yet. And it really hit people, um, you know, it, it 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 hit home with several of the people in the room. So it was pretty cool to have um, only 20 people in the room and to get this kind of feedback on my writing and to be out there. And, and because I pre- predominantly have just written poetry and now I'm branching out into essays and stuff. So if you are a writer or even a creative and you're used to having like one art form that you work in. one genre, I would say, um, and you feel the need to branch out. Um, I really only branched out and I would say the last, a little over a year ago, um, may have been about, about, about a year and a half of, of doing these short essays that I, I don't know if I've mentioned that I really just down, down, I dictate to my phone through the, into the notes app. Um, and, uh, because I don't type as fast as I think. And so I would not be able to keep up with my thoughts. So I kind of have a little download into my notes app on my phone and then I read it over really lightly and kind of edit it. Um, cause it's not very long. It's maybe, it maybe comes out to about two to 300 words, these downloads. And then I'm doing that also with the deer pops too. Uh, and, um, it's been a really fascinating way to just to have this whole other different form of writing. And I'm working with my editors right now to send them out to, to be published. And I've had seven pieces between my essays and poetry published this year. So it's landing, it's resonating with people somehow. And if I hadn't really taken that chance on it and said, no, I'm a poet, or I haven't I don't really consider myself an essayist, I don't want to even try this, then this whole other way of expressing myself, which is very different than poetry, I would not have been able to um, actually do. So it's very important to kind of keep an open mind as a creative. You want to make sure that you don't keep yourself in a box because uh i've definitely through these typewriter talks podcasts i one of the questions i ask is what would you tell your younger writer self and a lot of them talk about how much they've grown and changed over a lifetime as a writer and sometimes one genre doesn't really resonate with you anymore or for that period of time you you need something uh different like the essay form I did a book of essays about it's kind of memoir based that has some poetry mixed in prior to doing the Dear Pops book, but I probably would never even thought that it was okay to do this Dear Pops book about these letters to my father if I hadn't had already had the foundation of these essays that I was prior to, that I have been sending out. So that was really um, a magical gift that I had had the intuition and the maybe the gumption to try that earlier. And then that provided space for what I needed um, in this current phase of my life. So, and I really like this form of writing, especially because my philosophical side can come out. And I, ha- I did have one period of time where I was like, well, maybe I'm not a poet anymore oh, I don't know if I like this. Like I love being a poet. I don't know if I, this feels good to me, but then I got a poem (laughs) that, um, that I wrote that I'm writing for an ekphrastic, uh, performance that I'm doing at Florida craft art about ghost stories. It's, It's an exhibit on ghosts and hauntings and it's clay and fiber and, uh, mixed media and sculpture and we're going in, and several of us writers are writing pieces, stories, and poems about it. And I picked this ceramic house that has, um, it's I guess it's thorns, but it almost looks like barbed wire around it. And it, the title is Stay, and um, it's going to be about my dad and our relationship, so it's going to be interesting to kind of unpack that because now he is technically a ghost, so that's pretty wild. So, um, I You know, this is going to be a short and sweet podcast. I just really wanted to say, if any of you are out there feeling stuck at all as a creative, um, maybe ask yourself, I do this in some of my beginning level classes. I'll be like, what color paper am I? What color do I feel like as a creative right now? And some people say white and I'll be like, why? And they're like, I just feel like a blank page. I don't know where to go. Um, Some people say they feel red because they feel stopped they can't like move forward. Some people say they feel green because they're feeling, um, they're writing a lot about nature or, um, blue because maybe they're feeling light blue would be more sunny and happy. Dark blue could be more melancholy. So it's pretty interesting. I would say for myself, I'm probably a dark purple right now. Um, when I was first starting to date my boyfriend, he, I I got in the car with him and I'm like, how are you doing? And he goes, uh, I think I'm feeling about, I think I feel purple. And I was like, what? And he's like, Yeah, I'm just a little, I'm a little off. I'm a little melancholy, I'm a little introspective. And I'm like, I never thought about describing myself as a color, but then I had forgotten that I asked have asked students to do that in the past when describing their creative writing process. So I definitely feel dark purple because to me that feels kind of underworldly and kind of like I'm S S I can never say this word excavating. Um, I'm, I'm spelunking in, in caverns right now of my history and uh, around my dad and also around myself too. So that's been a really interesting process. And I, also another thing, I'm actually rewriting my narrative, like my personal narrative, because going through my father's house, I'm seeing a lot of photos of him from like the primary time in my like young brain unconscious of where I feel like there was some trauma in our relationship. Uh, I have mentioned that he was a lifelong drinker and most of his um, scars on us are from neglect and also arrogance. Um, He never really apologized and he never really owned up the fact that he was an alcoholic, even on his, his last days. Um, But the the time period when it really, you know, as I got older and moved on with my life, I was able to kind of place him in a certain uh, box in my life, more or less, in a, the way I engaged with him. And I like to use the term navigate him because he was like stormy seas in a lot of ways. And so I had to navigate with navigate him when I did engage with him. But when I was younger, there was like no option because he was in the same space as me. And even after um, when my parents got divorced, I lived primarily with my mother. We would go and stay with him and visit with him. And, you know, when you're young, your parents, you know, control everything. They control the narrative essentially. And you also don't even know that you have the option to control the narrative yourself. You just rebel or, or go inward or go within yourself. So I I did a little bit of both. But now that I'm like going through stuff and I'm seeing photos of him from this time period of when I feel the most amount of like uh, trauma, as I would say scars from, from having him as a father, he's like quite a bit younger than me than I am now. And he's actually like the primary, primary time of when, um, I mean, he was like, mid to late, I was, he was 30 when I was born. So you can, you know, that, that my parents were together until he was 44. So, cause I was about 14, but he left when I was like 12. So like the ages of like 30 to like 44 are the primary times when he really like had a huge impact on my psyche. And then even on to the past that, like I'm 49 now. So even into my like twenties, he was around the age I am now. So it's like, I look at 30 year olds now that I know and like even like early 40 year old men and I'm going like, oh my God, like this is the person that impacted me the most psychologically in many ways, um, being the opposite sex parent on and on and on. And I'm also the oldest daughter. And he was, and these boys, it's like they're boys, they're children (laughs) and I'm just going like, whoa. So I'm starting to like really unpack that for myself, like, like, like kind of rewriting my narrative. I'm not necessarily maybe forgiving him some, but mostly I'm just trying, I'm understanding, I'm understanding. And so that's been really fascinating. And I also had another reality check last night because I was, I, I don't know if I dreamed this or whatnot, but it was the idea that what if the light that the life I'm living now is kind of like my base level, because I've done a lot of healing work recently, especially, um, I'm in a, I'm in a, like the best romantic relationship of my life. Um, and also like, uh, around my father and I have wonderful people in my life. And, uh, I feel like I've really kind of stabilized what I need and want for myself. So What I go, what if I found my kind of base level and it's all uphill from here in my own energy? And then anything that I've kind of experienced, maybe prior to this, was just energy that was my family's or my parents' or stuff that I'd inherited for them. And it actually wasn't my base level, it was their, you know, stuff. And I was like, whoa, so if this is like my base level where I'm at right now, my life is pretty damn good, man, it's going to get really good. So that was a really exciting place to kind of come to. So I'm going to unpack that a bit too. But that's the the joy of being a creative is that you can impact this in your writing or you can impact it in, in like um, in painting or maybe dance or through a movie, like all these kinds of things. Um, there's other ways to do it, of course. Uh, you could do it through therapy um, in communicating and talking to people. There's many other ways if you're not a creative, but if you are a creative, it's really exciting to kind of take these ideas and thoughts and and allow them to blossom and bloom and see where they take you. So thank you for so much to tuning into the right life. Um, I'm heading to Minneapolis for the weekend with my partner and my child to visit my OGBF, my original gangster best friend or that I've known since I was, She and her husband Mark um, work for uh, Coffee House Press in Minneapolis. There's Grey Wolf Press, Coffee House Press, and um, Milkweed Press, which are two major, three major independent presses, are all in Minneapolis. And they said there's tons of bookstores, and there's art and food. And we're basically coffee shop, foodie bookstore art people and throw in some nature and we're happy. Live music's great too. So um, I think we're going to have a wonderful trip. The leaves are starting to change up there. I found round trip tickets for nothing and we're all going to go up and have like a little family adventure. So uh, I'm sure I'll be talking about that next week on the next episode of The Right Life. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you have a wonderful weekend and if you're thinking about writing, if you've always thought thought about writing, get get on it. Even just start writing in your journal. I highly recommend that. And um, I hope that you have uh, the best possible next seven days. And I'm sending you all the love and joy that I possibly can. Thank you. See you next week.